Well, uh, good morning. Uh, it's lovely to see you. Uh, we tend to be in the half 10 service, and so it's really nice to see some of you. And it's uh, just reminded me really of how, um, how much we are looking forward to being one church again on a Sunday. Wouldn't it be uh, lovely? Now, if you could open your uh, Bibles to the passage I was read to us, so Acts chapter 2. Uh, we're going to mainly look at verse 42, uh, but also at some of the other verses leading up to the uh, end of the chapter. Now, I want to start by um, paraphrasing uh, a start to a book that I read a couple of years ago now, uh, a book on the church by uh, Mark Dever. Uh, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, um, and don't take it personally, I'm not talking about anyone here this morning, but it starts something like this. How was it to park in church this morning? Was it easy? Did you feel welcome when you came into church this morning? Are the chairs comfortable enough for you? Were the announcements clear enough? Were they too long, maybe? What do you think of the fashion sense of the church? What do you think about the person sitting next to you or sitting a couple of meters next to you? Are they nice? Do they seem welcoming? Then we come to the hymns. Do you like the hymns? Are the words weighty enough for you? Are they too blasé? What about the music? Do you, do you like? I'm, I'm not talking about anyone. What do, you, what do you think about the singing? Is there not enough harmony in the church? Was the reading too short? Was the prayer too long? Are the children too noisy? And then we come to the preacher. Is the preacher too confident or not confident enough? Is he showing enough emotion? Is he too clever for you? End of the service. I know usually we'll have coffee. What do you think about the standard of the coffee? How well do we follow the COVID rules? We could go on and on and on. And this is how the book starts. And maybe you've been a member here for years, and maybe you've just started coming, but this is sometimes how we can look at a church. We can look at all these hundreds of different aspects and critique and analyze all these different things. And maybe especially since lockdown, this is partly why I felt burdened to uh, preach on this this morning, since lockdown and maybe um, seeing more and more churches online and see how they do things, and maybe not being here as a church for a whole year, we've come back in and maybe we can have this sort of atmosphere about us, that we're sort of coming to a performance that we can sort of critique and think, well, I like that, I don't like this, I prefer how another church do that, and we can have this sort of vibe about us. Now, I'm not saying that all of the questions that I asked then are pointless. I'm not saying that. In a day and age where um, church attendance in Wales is going down and down and down, we need to ask ourselves these sort of nitty gritty questions about how we do church and ask ourselves, can we do anything better as a church? Absolutely. But are these the sort of questions that should be our main focus? Well, I think not. What we really should be asking ourselves is what were the basics that God set out for his church here in the early church days of Acts? What were the basics that God set out for his church? My prayer this morning is that as we look at this passage, that we will be reminded of what these basics are. We'll be reminded of what we are trying to do as a church. There won't be anything groundbreaking. You won't go away thinking, wow, there's something completely new there. But yet again, I still pray that as we go through this passage, as we remind ourselves of the basics, 
that we will be encouraged as a congregation. Encouraged that we have these wonderful things at our disposal. And also encouraged that with these fairly basic stuff, that God can bless us immensely. We're going to look at uh, three elements of the early church, and then sort of one cause effect from those three elements that we can learn from. So three elements, then one cause effect. The first being that they were devoted to the teachings of the word. The early church were devoted to the teachings of the word. Now, what verse 42 says is, is that they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. Now, the apostles were the ones who were carrying Christ's message. They were the one who have noted down everything they heard in this thing called the Bible. And so for us today, the teaching of the apostles means teaching of the word, teaching of the Bible. So we need to be devoted to the teaching of the word. But why? Why do we Christians keep on going on about this old book, this thing called the Bible? Why do we care so much about the Bible? It's because we believe that there is such power in this thing, in this word, in this Bible. We think there's so much power. Genesis 1 says that God brought everything into creation from his word. And God said, let there be light, for example, and there was light. There's such power, we believe, in the word of God. Later on in Genesis, we hear of God leading Abraham out of Ir calling him. We hear of, of God coming to Abraham and speaking to him, telling him, you will have a child. Your descendants will bless every nation. Such truth, such authority in his word. In Exodus, God comes again to Moses, Exodus 20, speaking to him, telling him the Ten Commandments, instructing the Israelites. And throughout all the history of the Israelites in the Old Testament, apparently 3,800 times in the Old Testament, we hear the words, God's word. Sometimes it came to rebuke them, sometimes to encourage them, sometimes to offer them hope. But God's word is constantly throughout the Old Testament. And then we come to the New Testament. And what changes? Well, John 1 tells us this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. We hear now that Christ himself is the word. He is the manifestation of the power of the word of God. Hebrew 1 tells us this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir over all things. God in the New Testament now is speaking his word is in Christ himself. And so we have this thing called the Bible, full of God's word through the Old Testament. We, then we reach the New Testament, we have Christ himself, God's word, and we have all of it in the Bible. 2 Timothy says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so we see this church in Acts 2, a church that is full of the Holy Spirit, 
Pentecost has just happened. Christ promised them the Spirit, and now they have the Spirit. They've just seen uh, Peter preach, and 3,000 people come into Christ. But what do they do? We don't hear about them having meetings where they share in each other's emotions about how they feel about what's going on. We don't really hear about them having meetings where they share their personal experiences. Now, what the passage says is that they were devoted to the teaching. That was their focus. They wanted more. They wanted more of the word of God. Well, what can we learn from the early church in this aspect? Well, it's important for us to ask, as a church, do we have a thirst for the word of God? as individuals, but also as a church. In all of our meetings, is the word of God the central thing? In the hymns that we sing, is it, are they rich of this word that we have? As we teach the kids, do we teach them this word? Do we raise them up in this word that we have in the Bible? And when we do deal with the Bible as a church, when we do turn to look at the word of God, do we deal with it in quite a blasé way while we saying to ourselves what privilege we have as a church in having god's word with us what sort of attitude do we have towards it another challenge for us as a church is are we staying true to the doctrine of the word and this is maybe harder for us now than it's been for a long time uh, in our country maybe we have more and more pressures from outside saying do you, do you really believe that do you believe that passage and we may be tempted to think well I'm not sure if we need that passage. Maybe we can just not cover that passage or we can just maybe forget about that one. But if the word is clear on any subject, then we need to be devoted to the teaching of the word. Youth, I think you have this maybe harder than all of us. The pressures that you have, maybe from your teachers, maybe from your other pupils around you, I think it's really, really difficult for you to stay true to this word. But can I encourage you and all of us to stick to this word, stick to the teachings? Because if we give in, what we're essentially saying is, God, I, I care more about what these people think, my friends, or I care more about what the world thinks of me than what you care. And so we need to stay true to the teachings of the word. Another challenge for us is to keep our ministers accountable to this word to keep them accountable for teaching us this Bible week in, week out, to preach expository sermons from the Bible. I am convinced that if Matt and Dave wanted to, they could preach sermons that they've constructed in their own minds that would make us feel really nice as a church. They could preach sort of sermons of um, to make us feel good about ourselves some sort of self-help coaching sermons some sort of motivational talks some self-belief talks I, I really think they could do that and we'd all leave here saying oh wasn't that wasn't that a nice service i just feel nice and warm and lovely but that's not what we want is it we want to come here on a sunday and sometimes say do you know what god rebuked me this morning god really challenged me this morning Sometimes we want to say, God offered me such comfort this morning. Sometimes come away thinking, God offered me such hope this morning. Because 
the preachers, Matt and Dave, are faithfully preaching this thing called the Word. John Calvin was asked uh, what was the key to his ministry, and he answered this, I simply taught and preached God's Word, otherwise I did nothing, the Word did it all. Hebrews 4 says, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This word that we have, the Bible, is so, so powerful. It offers the answer to everything, and it has the wonderful gospel in it. And so we should desire as a church to know this word more and more, to love it more and more, and keep it central in all that we do as a church. Secondly, uh, the second thing we can learn from the church here in Acts is that they devoted themselves to fellowship uh, with each other. They devoted themselves to fellowship with the saints. Now we have here a church that is uh, full of the Spirit, as I said, and one thing that this leads to is a wonderful fellowship with another, an amazingness, a togetherness, and unity. Now, it's important to mention on this point that it is important to have friends who aren't from the church. It's good, God tells us to do it, it's a blessing. It's great to have friends who aren't from church. We shouldn't be in some sort of church bubble. But there should be something different something special about our relationship as a church family it should be special compared to those friends that we have outside of church it's a relationship that is completely independent of our hobbies it's completely independent of the different characters that we are independent of our status within the community independent of our race independent of our political ideology, independent of what team we want to support tonight. We, we can be so, so different in so many ways, but yet again, have wonderful fellowship. Why? Well, because we have the most important thing in common, that we are all children of God. We are united here as a fellowship because of Christ, because of what he did on the cross for us, we can say that we are united. What can we learn from the early church example in this? Well, I think we can learn a lot because in today's society, we are pushed um, to do everything for our own gain. And so in our relationships, you, you should only really be in it if you gain from it, if they help you or they offer you the right connections with our money, we're told to get a better job so you can have more money so that you can buy that new car or you can buy that bigger house. But we should be different. We should be more like the church here in Acts. They were fully committed to each other. They weren't selfish. They were committed to each other. They were willing to help each other out financially. Are we saying honestly this morning that we can say the same thing as this passage says? That we would be willing to give of our money, not even the money that we have in the bank, but would we be willing to sell our belongings to help each other out as a church membership? 
Are we saying on the other side that we would be willing to receive? Because yes, we need to give, but also we need to have that openness. We, we can't have the sort of sense of pride that we wouldn't be willing to ask to open up to church members. Are we honestly saying that we can be generous of our time to each other? Yes, inviting people over for food like they do here, having people over, opening our homes, call if there's something difficult going on, pray for each other, be self-sacrificial in the way that we are as a membership. It can be in big ways, but it can be in the smallest things. Being here this morning means that we are having fellowship. It encourages me seeing you here being able to sing together, being able to pray together. We are having fellowship. We are building each other up. Youth, I think, sometimes you, we, you can think you don't offer us a lot. Honestly, seeing you with us in church, it encourages me. If you speak to another member at the end of the, end of the service and not maybe just speak to each other, I guarantee you that member would be encouraged by that. Some of you older folk that maybe feel, oh, I'm not sure what I can offer the church now. You just being here, seeing your faithful witness year in year, it encourages me. Seeing your wisdom, seeing the way that you still strive, you still can testify to God's love, that, that is building us up. That is giving each other fellowship. As a church, we should be devoted to, be, to having good fellowship with each other. Thirdly, what can we learn from the church? They were devoted to prayer. They prayed as a church. Yes, personal prayers, individual prayers, but they also had communal prayer, corporate prayers. It's quite interesting. Uh, when Christ was on earth, um, we barely hear of the disciples praying. To be honest, when we do hear about them praying, it's usually that they are failing in it, that they fall asleep. But then we get to Acts, and then we are bombarded by the fact that the early church were praying, praying, and praying. And for us Christians this morning, it should be a totally natural thing to do to pray to God. Martin Luther says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Christ himself, he, he expected us to pray. When he um, gave them the Lord's Prayer, he didn't say, if you want to pray, pray like this. He says, when you pray, he took it that we would pray. He says later on, but in all things, make your prayers known to God through prayer and petition. Christ was of the opinion that we should be praying. And the early church here have understood very early on in their existence that they are fully dependent on prayer, on God. They've seen Christ as the perfect example, time and time again, turning to God in prayer. And so they, at this early stage, turned to God to pray for guidance, to pray as they sought new workers, to pray for each other in difficult circumstances. As some of them were in prison, they, they prayed for each other. What can we learn from them this morning? Well, the question we need to ask ourselves is, as a church, are we devoted to prayer? In our personal lives, do we pray for the church? When we have a moment during the, during the day, does it cross our mind to pray for each other? 
when there's maybe something going on in the church, say um, a crew have come here to do an assembly uh, for the school children here. We might not be able to be there, but does it, does it cross our mind to think, well, a wonderful thing I can do right now is to pray for them as they do an assembly, as they share God's word? Do we pray about our elders? Do we pray for the Sunday service? Do we pray for opportunities to invite? Do we pray for the preacher as he prepares during the week? We should be doing this in our individual lives, yes. But also we should be uniting as a church in prayer. It's a pattern that is repeated in Acts time and time again. Is there that desire in us um, to pray together? Now, I'm not saying that everyone can make every prayer meeting. Some of you might not be able to make this evening, but if you can make it, is there even that sort of desire in our hearts to say, well, I would, I would have liked to have made it. I would have liked to have prayed together for Tom and Eris as they leave. Do we as a church really think, well, do I really want to pray? As we go to each other's houses maybe for food, does it feel awkward to pray together? Because it, it probably shouldn't be. It should be a thing that we want to do, pray together. It might feel awkward the first time, but after that, it, it will become more and more natural. Youth, you can, you can pray together. What a wonderful thing that you could do uh, as a group. We have a free access to God. We can speak to him, to his throne of grace. We have this access. So as a church, let's be a church that use this privilege that we have. And lastly, very quickly, they were devoted to evangelizing. I love verse uh, 47, the end of it. It just sort of ends so sort of briefly, but in such an amazing way. It says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, as I said, this last point is uh, slightly different to the other three because the first three are features that enable this last element to happen. You see, if the church go to evangelize without being committed to the teaching of the word, if we go and evangelize without having that love for each other. If we go without praying, then what are, we, what, are, what are we doing? Is there any point in going in the first place? But rather, on the back of building ourselves up on the word, on the back of loving each other, on the back of going to God in prayer, we then go. We are told to go. We go confidently out to Pompano to the rest of this country, to the world, as Tom and Eris are doing this week now. We do things like fun in the field. We invite friends on Sundays. We send Christmas cards to the local area. We do Christmas videos. We do this as a church. And wouldn't it be amazing if we could say of our church that God added daily to the bridge those who are being saved. Wouldn't it be great if you could say that new families join the church after fun in the field, that new families join after doing a nativity walk this Christmas? Wouldn't it be great to not really know where we can meet because so many have been added to our number daily? We go, we evangelize, we take this gospel with us. Yes, with the word of God on our lips with our hearts full of love to God, full of love to each other. We go with prayerful hands, 
And we go confidently because, yes, the spirit that they had in Acts here, the spirit that saved 3,000 people in one go, the spirit that was saving people daily into this church, we have that same spirit today. We stick to these basics as a church. They're very basic, simple things. But we need to make sure that we stick to these things. And we pray that God uh, would keep us and use us uh, as a church for his glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.